You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. An analysis of Royal Ransomware. Paper cut vulnerability detection methods can be bypassed. Man in the middle phishing attacks are on the rise. A new wave of BEC attacks from an unexpected source. Thomas Etheridge from CrowdStrike has the latest threat landscape trends. Our guest is Dan Amiga of Island with insights on the enterprise browser category and a look into recent Russian cyber attacks against Ukraine. I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire Intel Briefing for Tuesday, May 9th, 2023. Palo Alto Networks Unit 42 has analyzed the Royal Ransomware Group and published their findings this morning. The gang responsible has been in operation since at least September of last year, and it's got a lot of Conti Group alumni. They've been actively targeting infrastructure and paying a lot of attention, unfortunately, to healthcare organizations. They've also been seen targeting the city of Dallas, Texas, the most prominent victim in a recent wave of attacks against local governments in the United States and Europe. Since Royal was discovered last year, The gang has claimed responsibility for leaking data of 157 organizations on their dump site. They've also been observed hitting 14 organizations within the education sector, some as recently as this month. The Unit 42 researchers say that Royal Malware enters through a batloader infection, which threat actors usually spread through search engine optimization poisoning, and it proceeds by dropping a cobalt strike beacon as a precursor to the ransomware execution. Researchers at Volncheck have described a new attack method bad actors can use to exploit the papercut vulnerability discovered back in March. The exploit bypasses detection methods like Sysmon-based indicators, log file analysis, and network signatures. Exploitation of the original vulnerability imitates a normal administrator's login, which is ignored by file log analysis detections. Bleeping Computer explains, As for network signature detection methods, these can be trivially bypassed if the attacker modifies the malicious HTTP request by adding an extra slash or an arbitrary parameter into it. Microsoft has also described developments in papercut exploitation and state espionage services are involved. Redmond tweeted that the papercut flaws are currently being exploited by Iranian state-backed threat actors, 
including mint sandstorm and mango sandstorm. Experts recommend that users update their Papercut NGMF versions, as it seems detections are not a feasible option for this exploit. Mitigations are available from Papercut. In a report released this morning, researchers at Cofence Intelligence explained that man-in-the-middle attacks, MTM for short, and more recently person-in-the-middle by many, have increased by 35% between the first quarter of 2022 and the first quarter of 2023. The threat actors are combining MTM attacks with credential phishing. The goal is to steal usernames, passwords, and session cookies to bypass multi-factor authentication. 95% of the observed attacks target Microsoft Office 365 authentication. They also tend to use URL redirection, with a notable 89% of campaigns using at least one URL redirect and 55% using two or more. These MTM phishing attacks evade standard secure connection processes used in most websites. By setting up two secure connections between the attacker and the victim and the attacker and the desired website, the attackers then use a proxy login page to harvest credentials from the victim. Do you associate business email compromise attacks with Nigerian gangs? Well, okay, but there are plenty of other places these crooks work from, like, for example, Israel, of all places. Abnormal security reports arise in Israel-based business email compromise attacks, while many BEC attacks are traceable to West Africa, where their bumpkin cousin, the well-known Nigerian prince scam, flourishes. This threat actor, believed to have been active since at least 2021, has no direct Nigerian ties. The gang targets employees within an organization by telling them that their organization is working through an acquisition and needs their help with a required payment. The threat actor assumes two false personae, one typically of the chief executive, the other of an attorney working on mergers and acquisitions. At least 350 campaigns have been traced to this Israeli gang since February of 2021. They've been observed to target large enterprises with high revenues. Victims have been found in more than 61 countries. Recent Russian cyber ops against Ukraine seem to be either hacktivist or, frankly, criminal. Ukrainska Pravda reports that Russian operators, apparently hacktivist auxiliaries, conducted an unsuccessful cyber attack against EQ, Ukraine's system for managing border crossings by commercial trucks. The system is said to be functioning normally. In other cyber attack news from the hybrid war, CERT UA warns that the financially motivated Russian criminal group UAC 0006 is pushing smoke loader malware in a phishing campaign. CERT UA describes UAC 0006's track record and its customary aims, saying that they aim to compromise accountants' PCs, steal authentication data, and create unauthorized payments. The phishing emails are staged from compromised accounts, and they often misrepresent themselves as billing documents. The payload is carried in an attached zip file. So shields up, and be careful where you click. Coming up after the break, Thomas Etheridge from CrowdStrike has the latest threat landscape trends. Our guest is Dan Amiga of Island with insights on the enterprise browser category. Stay with us. 
Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. And now, a word from our sponsor, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks, and optimizing operational efficiency. With Sixth Sense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com. So much of what we do online these days happens through our web browser, and it's not surprising that browsers themselves make an attractive target for adversaries. In the past few years, we've seen the emergence of a category of enterprise browsers, which promise to be customizable and more secure. Dan Amiga is co-founder and CTO of Island, a provider of enterprise browsers, and I caught up with him at the RSA conference for some details. Well, I think the uh, modality of the browser everybody knows about, it, and um, I have uh, I have this saying, which is my mother and uh, somebody that works at J.P. Morgan, they use the same browser. It doesn't make any sense. It's two different sets of uh, requirements. Hmm. Um, and what we've done is we've We've built a browser that plays really well with the enterprise. So it interconnects to your networking layer. It connects to your SaaS applications, your identity provider, your device posture controls. So think about it as a as a platform where we packed the security world, the IT world, but also the productivity world uh, into uh, that operating system that 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 is called a browser. And when you do that. A lot of the things IT and security has been doing for years become somewhat obsolete. Like, why would you need to have a a man-in-the-middle proxy to filter out traffic if you can have it done in the browser layer, right? Mm. Why would you need to install another VPN tool if you already have that VPN connectivity in the browser? Why would you have to buy a password manager if you have it built in 
to the browser. So we saw that by building it, it brings a lot of simplicity, but also uh, new use cases like uh, BYOD, which is a big problem for organizations today. Like folks, they don't like having lots of tools installed on their own computer, mm-hmm. right? So we see a lot of uh, a lot of interesting use cases uh, there when you build a browser that's targeted for the enterprise. And I think the the last piece, and we call this uh, the length of the wire, is that folks don't like to work on remote environments, on VDI environments, uh, etc. So we had this enterprise browser idea, I'd say a long, long, long time. And what I saw is, I saw a lot of folks who used to work for me in my previous companies, they were in their 20s. Mm. And I was like, in 10 years, that's the guys that are going to run the banks, they're going to run healthcare, they're going to run a lot of the a lot of companies, they're going to be the major workforce. These guys don't like a lot of things that are stopping them in the way of doing their work. They, hmm. they don't like VDIs and VPNs and all of that stuff. So when you build all of that stack into something that's as easy to install as Zoom, it looks like Chrome, it just brings a lot of Simplicity, but also good user experience. Like the work becomes faster, etc. So help me understand here when we're talking about, um, for example, someone working from home. Is the enterprise val- uh, the enterprise browser an opportunity to separate the work life from their personal life? In other words, use your personal browser for your personal stuff and your enterprise browser for your work life? Absolutely. So you go on Facebook or Instagram or what what have you. Your personal Life goes on whatever browser you like, right? But once you need to access Salesforce or corporate resources, any business-related applications, you're being enforced to use Island. Now, think about the other, the alternative. The alternative is you're being blocked in do, from doing work on your BYOD. Or the alternative is you have to install a VPN, VDI into an environment that's not an experience like, and it costs thousands of dollars for the organization, like a VDI session is about a thousand to two thousand dollars a session. So 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 really that two modalities, you can have your own whatever browser you want for your personal life and then the enterprise browser for your work life. And coming kind of from the other side, can the security team in the organization say you may only access this corporate stuff through your enterprise browser? Correct. So we we would uh, usually it's being done in several ways, but you can integrate, let's say, with the organization identity provider, right, or with tools the organization have today, and enforce that. So think about again. I like to use the Zoom metaphor. Mm-hmm. Let's say you don't have Zoom on your computer. I send you a Zoom invite. You click on that invite, and if you don't have Zoom, you'll be prompt to download it, and then the Zoom session launches. Right. Enterprise browser is the same, right? So you're trying to log in to a business application from a consumer called browser, from Chrome or Edge, Firefox, Safari, etc. And you're being prompt to download Island or it automatically launches if, if it was pre-installed. And then you get all of the security and IT tools uh, built in. I would imagine, too, that there's a, a privacy component here for the... You know, for the users to have that separation between my personal browser and my work browser, if I'm the enterprise, I'm not interested in what the person's doing on their in their free time, and I don't want to log that. I don't want to know. So there's kind of a win there for both sides to keep those two things separate, but still to cohabitate on a single device. 
privacy is, is a huge thing uh, in, in, in this space. So we have uh, hundreds of customers uh, to date in, in Ireland and they range from uh, hospitals uh, or the healthcare industry to the hospitality industry, financials, even tech companies here in, in the Valley, some pretty big names. And each one has different uh, privacy requirements. They're geographically distributed. Some would want to audit more than the others, uh, etc. And And by having these two modalities of a um, your personal browser and your enterprise browser, you can you can really deliver that. And the organization, a lot of organizations should not see into your personal uh, stuff. Today, they're forced to. They have to decrypt SSL. Their DLP tools are injecting themselves into every app, etc. Uh, we make it possible so the organization doesn't see the data. We even, for the end user, we even added some controls to reflect the privacy level. Hmm. So let's say you go to a website and it's not being monitored. It's a personal website, but you happen to use the enterprise browser for it. You'll, you'll get a privacy indication that says that data is not being sent anywhere. Oh, right? interesting. Huh. Yeah. Yes, and, and also the enterprise can set controls on anonymization, um, anonymization of IPs, anonymization of data. So you can definitely create some uh, interesting privacy uh, uh, improvements. That's Dan Amiga from Island. And it is my pleasure to welcome back to the show Tom Etheridge. He is the Chief Global Services Officer at CrowdStrike. Great to have you here and to be face-to-face here at uh, the RSA conference. Nice to be here, Dave. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So before we uh, dig too deep into things, I just I'm interested in your general uh, feeling for this year's show here. First of all, I think it's uh, the population is uh, much bigger than I was anticipating. Mm. Really great turnout. Uh, a lot of great uh, activities in the, the demo and booth areas, and uh, really good client interactions. A lot of discussion about. Some of the topics I'm sure we're going to touch on in this, this session. Yeah. Are you sensing anything from some of the, the economic headwinds that we've been seeing here? Both, I'm thinking both on the industry side, but then clients, it's on the top of their minds as well. Certainly, we see a lot of activity around uh, consolidation hmm. of uh, agents running on endpoints. It's certainly a topic we talk to customers and prospects about. How do I uh, achieve some economies of scale and savings by reducing the number of agents that are running on my endpoint, yet provide the same kind of capabilities and detection and prevention and monitoring uh, uh, enhancements that I'm looking for from a a product or a platform. We've seen a lot of folks shift from point solutions to suites to now platform plays. So a lot of folks looking to consolidate and save money by moving towards platforms that deliver uh, more extensible capabilities. Can we touch on some of the threats that you and your colleagues at CrowdStrike are, are tracking these days? What are the big ones that you have your eye on? So, Dave, uh, in our global threat report, we talk about the increase that we've seen year over year with e-crime, about a 20% increase. Breakout time, which is a, a measurement that we use to assess from the time a threat actor gains initial access in an environment till the time they move laterally. We're seeing that still under two hours, so about 84 mm. minutes. The speed at which threat actors are moving is, is quite aggressive. 
And on the e-crime side, we've seen a shift towards not so much removing or not deploying ransomware. We're seeing threat actors gain access to an environment, uh, seek to exfil data that's sensitive or important to the victim, and then instead of deploying ransomware, come back with an extortion payment uh, you know, for leaking that data on on an open uh, forum. So moving from pure ransomware deployment to uh, data extortion as a means to, you know, monetize their operations. Can we talk about the the global big picture? Uh, obviously, we have um, the invasion of Ukraine by Russia and the cyber aspects of that uh, as one of the global operators. Uh, you know, you all have a, a hand in the, the defense of the Western world. What's your take on, on where we stand with that? I, I think most people feel as though Russia's really underperformed here. What are you all tracking? Well, what we saw was during the initial um, campaigns, we saw the combination of both cyber-related activities and, and threat actors from you know, the Russian you know, organizations targeting Ukraine primarily with you know, destructive attacks and uh, misinformation uh, types of attacks to kind of uh, change, you know, change what the strategy and uh, perceptions were about the, the initial campaign. Things have obviously slowed a little bit in mm. terms of most of the uh, kinetic warfare continues, but we think that in the springtime, uh, when the you know the rainy season, muddy season ends, we do expect that there might be some resurgence of both cyber-related act- attack activity as well as the continued kinetic activity. How do you think this informs uh, the rest of the players around the world uh, in terms of you know, potential future conflicts and? The, the role that cyber plays? Well, I think this is not a secret. I think most um, uh, organizations and countries are very concerned about the impact that cyber plays in providing a low-cost uh, means to do destructive destructive uh, harm to organizations that they might be targeting from a, a military perspective. It's certainly proven to be effective here with Russia and what they've been doing with Ukraine. Yeah. You know, looking forward towards uh, the rest of this year and beyond, where do you suppose we're headed? What are the, the trends that you all are tracking? Or is there any sense that we're gaining ground here? Well, there's a few things that I think are important to bring up, and there's certainly themes here from the RSA event. We've heard a lot of talk about artificial intelligence and mm. technologies like chat, GBT. Very important, really great engineering effort to pull together technologies like that to help improve automation, improve uh, the scale at which um, hunting and response-related activities can be performed. No, make no mistake, it's not a panacea for good old-fashioned human you know, hunting and human response-related activities. We're monitoring the good use cases that we see with uh, tools like ChatGBT, but equally we're concerned about the use cases for doing evil uh, with those types of toolings. Yeah. All right. Well, Thomas Etheridge, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, David. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security 
by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. That's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. Your feedback helps us ensure we're delivering the information and insights that help keep you a step ahead in the rapidly changing world of cybersecurity. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like the Cyberwire are part of the daily intelligence routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector, as well as the critical security teams supporting the Fortune 500 and many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin and senior producer Jennifer Iben. Our mixer is Trey Hester with original music by Elliot Peltzman. The show was written by John Petrick. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.